tonight. We're just about a minute away before we start. Um, thinking about those who we need to think about in our prayer tonight, we want to, of course, mention uh, Brother Don Martin. Keep him in mind. <clears throat> uh, Oliver Albright. We want to think about little Oliver. Keep him in mind. Peggy, I'm not aware of who else might have been on the announcement sheet. I didn't get a chance to read it, so. Anybody else? Oh, Holly, Holly Young's mother, grandma, Nell something, wasn't it? Nelda? Oh, Will, okay. And, and Vicki Burroughs, who's got uh, eye cancer. Uh, Patsy Britt is here tonight. Where's Patsy? She may be in the classroom, but Jim says she's here, so that's good. Uh, she's, you know, still recouping from her surgery, uh, and there, there, I'm sure there are others who are suffering ill effects from the weather. Um, different, this this crazy weather, huh? 70 degrees, and I was just talking to Peggy. She went to a wedding, and she said they went into the wedding, and when they came out of the wedding, it was 20 degrees colder <laughs> when they came out. So. That sounds like Oklahoma City, all right? Doesn't it, Alan? A whole lot like that. But uh, even here, with the cold and the hot, people get sick. and We just need to keep that in mind and, and remember those in our prayer. Is there anyone else maybe that we need to keep in mind uh, before we have uh, with our opening prayer tonight? Let's pray together. <clears throat> Our Father and God, we are indeed thankful and grateful and appreciative of all the good gifts, all the bountiful blessings we have received from your hand as you are the giver of all good things. And Father, we're mindful of uh, our, our family here at Graber Road and just recognize that there are members who struggle with health issues. And we're thinking of Don, our brother Don Martin, Oliver Albright. We're thinking of... Uh, uh, Vicki Burris, we're thinking of Patsy Britt, and there are others who struggle from allergies and colds and flus. We pray you be with each one of them, strengthen them as they have a need. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to be here tonight together uh, with your family to take a look at your word, to continue to look at uh, lessons we can learn from the book of Proverbs. As we took uh, tonight, as we look together at the, the problem of pride, we pray you would help us to have open hearts and to accept those things that we read and that we will recognize even in our own lives, Father, sometimes we have these things that come up and it pride could possibly be a problem in our own life. We give you thanks for Jesus, for his precious sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, Father, and knowing full well the pain and suffering he would go through for, for the sins of man. He, he came to this earth, lived that life, was the perfect example that only you would receive that example for our sins. We thank you for the fact that Jesus would be willing to do that. He loved us. He loved the church. He loved mankind so much. He was willing to do that. Be with us in our study tonight. We ask you to... Uh, be with us in our worship service and our devotional. Forgive us of our sins. It will be your will. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
So tonight we're going to take a look at uh, uh, the, the problem of pride. And I want to say that because, uh, you know, there, there obviously has to be different kinds of pride. I, I know I think sometimes when I think of my grandchildren or my children, and they've done something nice or they've done something good to recognize this. And I get this pride feeling. I'm sure that you perhaps do too as grandparents. Is, is there anything wrong with that kind of a pride feeling? I certainly hope not. I would certainly think that God would want us to be proud of our children, proud of accomplishments they make in their life. And so, obviously, when we read about the problems of pride in, in the book of Proverbs, he's talking about a different kind of pride. In fact, if you turn over to uh, the book of Romans in chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, we read something that Paul would write to the church in Rome. He says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So this type of pride that, that the book of Proverbs talks about in other places too, that is dangerous to men. Dangerous for Christians to hold is the type of pride where one would actually exalt himself or herself above God or men. Would exalt himself above that. At, at its core, the pride of this talked about in the book of Proverbs it is really very sinister in that it says, I really ought to be God. I really ought to be God. And if you stop and think about Satan, uh, how that he he thought he could defeat God. If you think about Satan and his uh, and 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 his and God's uh, conversation concerning Job, Satan actually thought he could defeat God. He had that kind of pride. But pride is is disordered thinking. It's thinking what ought to be versus what is. And so sometimes people are thinking, well. I ought to be this, or this ought to be, you know, things that they ought to be instead of looking at reality for what it is. Ancient theologians thought that pride was perhaps the root of all sin. And 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 maybe maybe they were pretty right about that. When you stop and you think about where do we first start seeing examples of pride? In the book of Genesis, way back there in chapters 1 and 2, whenever, whenever Satan attempts to, tempts Eve, and he says, and when they talk about what they can do in the garden, and she tells him, he says, and she says, God says, don't eat this fruit or you'll die. He says, you won't die. You won't die. And that, that was a prideful thing. So it, it very well could be that, it, that the beginning of that, or that at the beginning is the root of maybe all kinds of evil. You know, if you stop and think about it just a little bit, it, it and sometimes even we look at our lives, maybe each one of us sometimes have to really examine this subject because sometimes we might have a bit of a pride problem. You know, he who puts himself on a pedestal has nowhere to go but to step up. So if we lift ourselves too high, think too highly of ourselves, like Paul was talking to the church in Rome about, we have to be careful because there's nowhere to go but down. There's nowhere to go but down. So we have to understand that 
pride wears a lots of different masks. Uh, so how could you tell, or how could a person tell if they have a pride problem? What would you, what would you think about? Well, here are some things to think about. A, a person who has uh, this desire to be noticed might possibly have a pride problem. A person who craves attention, quite often and all the time maybe. A person who is itching for compliments. Maybe we could say fishing for compliments all the time. A person who feels the need to be important. Uh, a person who uh, uh, not liking catering to someone else or answering to someone else or being under somebody else might perhaps have a pride problem. Someone who just despises the idea of being wrong, might have a pride problem. Uh, someone who uh, is not apologetic when they are wrong, when, they're, when it's pointed out that they were wrong about something, still their pride will not allow them to apologize for that. A person who is strongly opinionated, strongly opinionated, might have a pride problem. Someone who's argumentative, who always wants to argue their point, or someone who always demands their own way. I hope you don't recognize any of these things in your life, but that list just goes on and on. Someone who always enjoys controlling other people. Or, or those who might refuse to take advice. Or someone who is... Uh, nothing but critical of everything that goes on. Always cutting others down. Someone who is thoughtless. Or someone who is presumptuous. Someone who has self-righteous. Uh, someone who overinflates their own abilities. Or maybe even someone who takes on too much work. Or people who are boastful. People who are being anxious or Sometimes even warriors, people who are constant warriors, perhaps are prideful people, or maybe people who are oversensitive. Sometimes people who overreact are even sometimes considered prideful, or sometimes who, people who have this fear of failure might be prideful. When you do turn to the book of Proverbs, we find a great number of verses written about pride. And it's, it's the pride that's written about in the, book of, in the book of Proverbs is that kind of pride that we don't want in our lives for the most part. For instance, in chapter 16, verse 18, we read, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. As you recall, we said when we started looking at the book of Proverbs, it's that book that gives us the wisdom uh, and the ability to look down the road and see how an attitude or situation might turn out. So tonight, as we take a look at the book of, at, the, at the problem of pride in people's lives, we're going to look through the book of Proverbs and verses out of Proverbs and see what might lie at the end of that road of pride for a person. When we're proud, we're a great deal like Satan and his angels. Uh, they they believe they could win a war against God. In fact, if you go back and study, it, it, it could very well be that attitude that got them thrown out of heaven, discarded from heaven. 
So what are some of the characteristics of pride that we see in the book of Proverbs? Well, to begin with, being wise in one's own eyes. Being wise in one's own eyes is a prideful problem. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Another verse is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. In his own eyes. And chapter 21, verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. In chapter 30, verse 12, we read, There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its own filthiness. You know, no opinionated person, no one holds an opinion, but that they think their opinion is right. They hold that opinion thinking that they're going to hold that opinion. Why? Because they believe their opinion is right. So we've talked about that person who is opinionated might have a pride problem. Another characteristic we might find in the person's life who has a problem with pride is one who, who hates to be wrong, who despises correction. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 1, he who hates correct correction is stupid. He who hates correction is stupid. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 11 says, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. So, when, when people are corrected at times, how do they react? Well, it's interesting because people react different ways to correction. For instance, some people, when they are corrected, get mad. Just get mad. Turn over, if you will, to Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. Out, out of the New Testament, Mark chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. You recall, this is the story of the uh, man who came to Jesus and asked him what, uh, what he needed to do. Uh, and Jesus told him in verse 19, he said, <clears throat> You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Because, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. <clears throat> verse 21, Then Jesus looking at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have the treasure in heaven, and come and take your cross and follow me. And verse 22 says, And he went away sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He asked Jesus a very simple question. What must I do? Jesus told him, these are the things you did, but he knew, Jesus knew there was still, he had a stumbling block in his life, and that was his possessions. So when, he, when Jesus told him, this is what you need to do to be right with me, be right with God, it made him sad because he had a lot of possessions. Some people, however, when they're corrected, are glad. Look, if you will, over in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and you recall this, of course, very well after Peter is preaching the first gospel sermon and he's, he's convicted 
these Jews and told them they have crucified the Son of God. And so, in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you and shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Here's a group of people who were corrected for what they had done, nailing the Son of God to the cross, and they were very glad to be told of that and be told how they could get that corrected in their lives. Some people are sad when corrected. Some people are angry. Uh, some people are glad. And then some people are angry when they are corrected. Just uh, another couple of chapters over in the book of Acts, chapter 7, we find Stephen becomes the first Christian martyr. And he has preached and told these people and convicted them of, of the sin that they have committed. And, and in verse 51 says, And you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, and you always resist this Holy Spirit, and your father did so, so do you. And then he goes on to talk about uh, how some have received the law by the discretion of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these words, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed at him with their teeth, and he, being full of the Holy Spirit, seized uh, gazed up into heaven and saw the glory of God. Jesus standing in his right hand and said, God, look, said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stomped, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. They were corrected for what they had done. It made them very angry. So how do we take correction in our lives? If we understand it's for helping us to get better and to be better Christians, we should do that. To despise correction means that we see what's right. We see what's right, but choose to do something else, to do the wrong thing. Another characteristic of pride, how are you doing, young man? You all right? Another characteristic we see of pride in Proverbs is the fact that some people who are prideful are haughty. Are haughty. The word haughty means to be uh, to soar, to be high, to be lifted up. <clears throat> so in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, we read, "We we could be haughty in spirit, and in, 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 in our own spirit we could be haughty." Chapter 18, verse 12 says, "In our own hearts." We, we could have a haughty spirit. Even in chapter 21, verse 4, it says that our look, possibly our look could be haughty. The way we see others uh, can be haughty. For instance, remember, if you will, the story in Luke chapter 18, verses 10 and following, how the two men go out to pray. Uh, 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 over in Luke chapter 18, turn, if you will, over to that. Begin with verse, around verse 10, says, uh, 
Oh, we'll just say uh, verse 10. Two men went up to the, to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisees the Pharisee stood and, thus with, uh, and, and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I, of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. So being haughty, lifting your own self up in your own eyes, being condescending, secretly thinking that we are more intelligent, we are maybe better qualified, we're more attractive, we're more talented, or we're more enlightened. Those kind of things in people's lives could be, could be uh, signs of a person who is, who is prideful. Another thing we learn about a characteristic of pride is that being a scoffer or a scorner or a mocker are all signs of, of too much pride. Scoffer is someone who is mocking, deriding someone else, holding another in contempt, and letting the world know all about it. So in chapter 21, verse 24, we read that a, pr a proud and haughty man, Scoffer is his name, he uh, acts with arrogant pride. And Proverbs chapter 14, verse 6 says, A scorner seeks wisdom, but does not find it. So those are the characteristics we see in a person's life who has a problem with pride. So as you think about that, what are some of the results? What are some of the results that come from a person who has too much pride? Well, for one thing, you can... Rest assured that there's going to be strife. There's going to be strife. Factions, fightings, arguments, conflict. Whenever you see those things, there's almost always pride involved in them. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, it says, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 25, we read, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. When you think back over in the New Testament, you think about the book of Philippi, the church at Philippi. When Paul wrote that church, wrote back to the church in that letter, he talks about some of the problems that are caused uh, in the church there in Philippi and Probably, no doubt, some of those problems were being caused by pride. Turn over, if you will, very quickly to the book of Philippians. And in verse, in chapter 2, in chapter 2 of Philippians, uh, it's the beginning, let's look at the first four verses. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction, affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love uh, being of one accord and of one mind letting nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit 
but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out for not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. In that same chapter, in verse chapter 4, that same letter, chapter 4, and the first three or four verses there, says, Therefore, my beloved, and longed for brethren, my, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. And then he says, I implore Yodia, and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companions, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, find the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So undoubtedly, there was a problem in Philippi that was being caused by pride. Paul implored the brethren there, help these women, help them get past that, because he knew that was going to be a problem in their lives. Another result we find in a, a pride is a, is a problem or is, the, is the shame and poverty. The Lord is against the proud and will humble him. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2, we read, When pride comes, then comes shame. But when the humble, but with the humble, is wisdom. In chapter 13, verse 18, Poverty and shame will come to him who, who disdains correction. We talked about that just a little bit earlier. How that some people, how are some people going to react to correction? Well, some people are going to be glad to be corrected. Some people are going to be mad when they're corrected. And some people are going to be angry. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. So God scorns the scornful, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. In his providence, God finds a way to cause those who are proud to be ashamed. God can and does oftentimes force individuals to acknowledge the truth, especially the truth that we are not God. But he does not force us to obey the truth. He does not force us to do that. Uh, perhaps you'll remember the story from the Old Testament in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4, with Nebuchadnezzar. Turn back over into the book of Daniel, if you will. Uh, and we're going to begin looking at uh, Daniel chapter 4, about uh, I think with verse, we're going to be in verse 28. Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end of the twelfth month, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling of my mighty power, uh, by my mighty power and uh, for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and from your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make, they shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives to the whoever he chooses. 
that very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds and claws. And then listen what happens when he finally comes to his senses in verse 34. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? So Nebuchadnezzar learned his lesson. He, and early in that, that reading there, he lifts himself up and talks about his power and his might and his majesty and all that he had done with his hand. And God says, that's all going to be taken away from you. It's all going to be taken away from you. And it was until he recognized who Jehovah God was and gave him the honor that was only due him. God finds a way in his province to cause those who are proud to be ashamed. And he did that with Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, another result of pride is destruction. Uh, pride destroys friendships, marriages, and churches. And unfortunately, a lot of us have seen that. How that a prideful heart will certainly destroy friendships. And we've seen it destroy marriages and churches also. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. We've already read this verse. Pride goes before destruction. A prideful heart is destined to cause problems. And those problems can destroy the closest of friendships. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 25, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. And in chapter 16, that was 15, 25, chapter 16, verse 5, every proud, everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. And finally, uh, along this idea of the destruction, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12, we read, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. So, we find the result of pride, how it can ruin a man's life, how it can ruin families, how it can ruin friendships, how even pride can ruin churches. We also read about the characteristics of pride, and we recognize what pride might look like in a person's life. So let's think just a few minutes about what are the remedies of pride. I mean, it's obviously something we, we do not want that kind of pride in our life because it's, it's an abomination to God. It's not going to glorify God. It's not going to help us to live in our Christian lives. So one of the remedies we have for pride is, one, is to listen genuinely. We ought to seek to understand more than we seek to be understood. Did you get that? We ought to seek to understand more than we ought to seek to be understood. It kind of goes back to that opinionated person, right? That opinionated person expresses those opinions in such a way that he knows he's right. He knows he's right. And yet, 
that's not the way that we can get rid of the pride problem. The hard thing about listening is that we are and, and, and explicitly acknowledging that we might be deficient or wrong in our current understanding. I'm going to read that again because I kind of messed that up. The hard thing about listening is that we are implicitly acknowledging that we might be deficient or wrong in our current understanding. Well, sometimes it's hard to let people know that's not something I know or that's not something I knew and, and acknowledge that as being the truth and then it might realize that it kind of goes against what we believe or what we thought or those opinions that we had. We, we might be wrong in some of those things. But genuine listening will help us to gain that knowledge. Listening is even harder when we must listen to correction. I don't think any of us likes to be corrected from time to time. I know it, it hurts, right, to be correct, to be told that we're wrong, that we're going down the wrong path, that we're doing the wrong thing. But at the same time, uh, it, if, if we understand that it's for our benefit, if we understand that it's because we were doing something that was wrong or thinking something that was wrong, then we must listen to that correction in such a way to make a change in our life, to repent of that, to make a change. In Proverbs chapter 12, and in verse 15, he who heeds uh, counsel is wise. So uh, one of the things we should, we, you know, we, we learn as God's children is that when we want to find the truth, we turn to God's word. When we want to find the truth about something, we turn to God's word because that's where truth is found. And it's not what we think. It's not what our opinions are. Sometimes it's not even what we believe. If it's contrary to what the word says, we have to accept what the word says, understand it's here for our benefit. It's here for our education. It's in here to make us better children and more obedient children. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 22. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of a fool is folly. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, we read, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. There again, there's that opinionated person, the person who always has to be maybe gaining attention or want to be at the center of things, who wants to get forth his idea. Uh, he says he has no delight in under, he, and you might even think he has no delight in listening. He has no delight. He doesn't care what want to hear what other people think, or even maybe what the Bible says about this. And uh, but what he wants to do is express those things that are in his own heart, whether they be right or whether they be wrong. He wants to enforce that on other people. Uh, an, another remedy we find for the problem of pride is humility. In a Christian's life, we should strive for humility. Humility is a much, is a much oftentimes misunderstood virtue. For one thing, humility is not self-depreciation. For instance, you tell someone, wow, you did a really good job on that particular thing they were working on. They say, oh no, that's terrible work. That's, that's, uh, that's, that, that is, you know, not that is self-depreciation, and that's not that's not humility. Uh, sometimes we have a difficult time accepting uh, when someone says thank you, or when someone says 
you did a good job. And sometimes we have a hard time accepting that, but that's really uh, something we need to learn to do. If we're humble, uh, it is uh, humility is an honest assessment of one's strengths and weaknesses before God and others. It is the desire to esteem others better than oneself. Isn't that what we read in the book of in the book of uh, Romans, chapter twelve and verse three? Isn't that what Paul said? We should esteem to put others higher than ourselves. That's the sign uh, of a person who is not prideful, but he is humble. In Proverbs chapter eleven, verse two, we read, "With the humble." Is wisdom. With the humble is wisdom. We, uh, we understand, of course, from the book of Proverbs, we receive a lot of wisdom. Wisdom and understanding where uh, to find answers to our questions in our Christian living. Wisdom to understand how to better get along with our neighbors and our friends. Remember we said how that the book of Proverbs is a book about relationships. Our relationships with other people. Our our relationships with our brothers and sisters, our relationships with our with our own spouses and our children, and so that book talks about all those relationships. So, with the humble is wisdom. In Proverbs chapter eighteen, verse twelve, we read, "Before honor is humility." So, before we have the honor we would like to have in our lives, it's going to require us to be humble in our Christian nature. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 23 reads, The humble in spirit will retain honor. So, one of the remedies for a pride, for pride in a person's life is, is humility. Humility is acknowledging what is. What, in other words, reality. What, what is. And not what we think it ought to be. What we think it ought to be. So that, that's a prideful heart. A person who says, yes, I see this and I understand this, but it really should be something else. I really think uh, maybe they're going to evoke their, their uh, opinion about something because it's not what they want it to be, and that's to be the heart of a prideful person. One of the things we learn from the book of Proverbs is that, number one, I am not, nor are you, God. I don't even begin to measure up to, nor do we, the tiniest fraction of what God is like. And folks, that's reality. That's reality. So that's the lesson we have on pride tonight. Perhaps you have others who I see the class isn't coming back just yet, so we might have a few more minutes for comments or thoughts. You might want to share. Didn't last but one day. Well, I think you know probably all of us have seen prideful people, and and um, you don't have to be around people like that very long to recognize that in their lives as as been a trait, and it's not it's not something pretty to see. That kind of attitude. Um, a person who is humble, a person who is striving to live right, a person who's who is. Uh, Willing to put other people ahead of him, that's the kind of person we should strive to be.